We inform. Religious freedom is about people of faith being able to live out their faith, live out their convictions, no matter where they are. We equip. This is a battle of worldviews. And we activate. We also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. This is AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome to the show today, AFA at the Core. I'm your host, Walker Wildman. It's a joy to be with you on this Monday edition of AFA at the Core here on American Family Radio Network. You can always visit our website, AFR.net. AFR.net is our website. And just to recap, this is our second week of the broadcast here on American Family Radio. And the reason we this show is called AFA at the Core, if you haven't gotten it yet or tuned in yet, it's uh, to focus on the core values of American Family Association, the core values of our parent ministry here, American Family Association. And uh, many of you know this. You've been faithful, loyal listeners to AFR, and you're, many of you know more about the ministry than sometimes I do. Um, but we have a, a lot of departments here, a lot of divisions that really keep things moving here at American Family Association. Of course, one of the departments is American Family Radio. So that's how you get the radio broadcast, the radio network across the country, uh, AFR.net, all of our online resources through the radio network are done under the Parent Ministry of American Family Association. And then we have uh, nearly a dozen other departments, some of them more private, uh, non-public departments, rather, like information technology. We have an engineering department. Of course, we have an accounting department. Uh, 120-plus employees here at AFA at our national headquarters. headquarters. So we have a lot that goes on. But our, our core values is what drives our, our, our ministry here, along with our mission and vision statement. I just want to read our vision statement, uh, the vision statement of AFA, and I'll read off our core values too, and you can always find this information publicly at our website. The vision of American Family Association is to be a leading organization in biblical worldview training for cultural transformation. That's our vision statement. That's what drives us. That's what we do each year at a- each week here at AFA. And we do that through uh, multiple outlets. Of course, we have the radio network where we have Bible teaching and commentary. We also produce video uh, sessions, video series on biblical worldview training, how to view the issues through a biblical lens. And we offer tons of other resources to our listeners to help fulfill that vision. Just to mention our six core values here, at AFA, evangelism and discipleship, marriage and family, morality. And when we say morality, we're talking about biblical morality, the truth, uh, the moral truth that we find in Scripture. Another core value, sanctity of human life, stewardship, and religious liberty. So those are our six core values. Some of those are are doubled up. Uh, Evangelism and discipleship, for example, is one core value. Marriage and family, that's one core value. Uh, for those of you who are nitpicking my, my statements there. Um, so you can just go to our website and read more about that, more about our core values and our vision statement. Our verse of the week, you know, last week we started, uh, of course, when we started the show, we started the verse of the week. And uh, the verse of the week has really just been helpful for me personally to help me in my uh, scripture memorization, for my scripture memorization and memorizing God's word. So last week, let's see if I can do it. 
Now, last week, our verse was Matthew 4, verse 4. For man shall not live by bread alone or on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. That's out of Matthew chapter 4, chapter 4 verse 4. I just repeated that off my memory. I even, don't even have that pulled up on my computer. That's just from repeating it over and over again last week. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Our memory verse for this week is out of the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10, Isaiah 41, 10. And it is, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous hand. That's our verse of the week, Isaiah 41, verse 10. You'll be hearing me repeat that on the show each day of the week. And uh, just to give you a little tip, I um, pull a lot of my scripture, of course, it's out of the Bible, that's uh, redundant there, but uh, the service called Bible Gateway, it's a website, they also have an app as well, and I pull a lot of my, uh, my I copy and print a lot of that from Bible Gateway, um, some of that is is their verse of the day, some of that stuff I pull, and so that's where uh, I pull that from Bible Gateway, they have a good, excellent service where you can read scripture online and print their verses, and they actually have daily memory verses, so on and so forth. So that's from Bible Gateway. Jumping right into the news of the day, you know, this, this uh, what's going on with these audits across the country? I, I talked about it pretty extensively on Friday, uh, but what's going on really can't be discussed enough in Arizona and Georgia. And, you know, some of you, <laughs> I saw some Facebook comments, which I'm Sometimes I read, sometimes I don't. But I saw some Facebook comments from my show Friday, and people, one person at least, was saying, you know, we've known this. We knew that the Democrats cheated, and, and this is not news to us. But, you know, a lot of those um, early results, a lot of the news coming after the election, for example, a lot of the news stories we were reading and the reporting we were reading in December and January about the shenanigans that went on in some of these precincts, some of these counties as it relates to the election, uh, much of that, not all, some of it was verified information. Much of that, though, was was really uncorroborated, unverified reporting. Uh, not that not not that it's a non-truth or it's false. Much of that is actually coming to bear out as truth. Um, but it was the, the the data sets and the information that was being reported on was not official data. It wasn't a, a, a state-sanctioned investigation like we have in Arizona. What makes this different is that what we have in Arizona and what we're hopefully going to have in Georgia at some point, we have the state legislature that, that did a full forensic investigation of the election, and they have released their official results. They've released the official report that was conducted by uh, the state legislature there. And so that is, that's the final word. That's the final truth of what uh, this forensic audit is reporting is what happened. It's not hearsay. It's not, you know, what we thought happened. It is what did happen. It's verified truth. That's what's going on in Arizona. When we look at, um, and, I, and I'll just go ahead and, and be honest with you guys, um, it's frustrating that it has taken eight months to get a, a verified a legislative approved report about the election, about what happened in the election. 
it really shouldn't take that long uh, because now all the legislatures, and, and including Congress, they've all uh, signed off on the election. They've all signed off on the electors. It's all done. <laughs> the inauguration has taken place. And so what I would what I would say to that is these forensic audits need to be, number one, I mentioned this last week, these forensic audits need to be mandatory after every election. I would say after every statewide election, I think you can make the case that these should be done even at the local level. And th- there's going to be naysayers. There's going to be people who say, well, we, we, do, we shouldn't have to spend the money to have our elections audited. You know, the, the laws on the books are good. And I hear all that. Uh, but, but just because we have good laws on the books, you got to have somebody to enforce them. I mean, what we're seeing in, in Arizona and Georgia is, is basically illegal activity. When it comes to counting ballots multiple times, when it comes to counting ballots that are incomplete, not properly recording um, duplicated ballots. I mean, all this stuff is like against the law. It's against the election regulations. But here we are eight months later, the legislature's already signed off on the election. What do you do now? That's really the question. So we've got to find a way as a country and at the state level, we've got to find a way to investigate uh, report the reports of illegality or fraudulent activity when it comes to the election. And we've got to be able to reconcile it and address it in an expedited manner and not wait until we've signed off on an election that may not even be legit. Uh, we've got to find a way as a country to to reconcile that, to address it in real time and in an expedited manner because our elections are very, very important, to say the least. I want to play this clip here of, this is out of Georgia. This is a, uh, this organization called Voter GA. They're the ones that have put in a court order our court request for to actually review the ballots themselves in Fulton County. So what Voter GA has as an entity is they have actually reviewed the raw materials, the raw um, ballots and the tabulations and everything. They have access to it in Fulton County via a judge order. And what you're going to hear is a representative presenting this information to the media. This is clip one. Let's listen. What I'm going to show you here is two ballots side by side. One of them is marked for Jason Shaw, and it's got a little squiggle mark next to it. You can see it's got the identical mark on the second one. The ballot image is stored up here on the top left. So this one over here is scanner 5162. That's scanner number three. Fax number 235, image number 19. And that matches 234, image 59. So you have the same ballot counted twice in the images and counted in the audit. How that's possible, I don't know. But what it says is that we need a full-blown audit because what we're finding here is a tiny little bit of information inside of the absentee by mail ballots, which is only a fraction of all of Fulton County. And Fulton County is a part of Georgia. So we're just, we're zeroing in on a tiny, tiny microcosm. And this is what we're finding. There you have it. That's a representative from Voter GA who has access to this data that's now publicly available. And what he was showing there on the, on, the, on the video, if you were watching the video, but I just pulled the audio, obviously, because we're on radio. But what, what we were listening to there is this representative showing that a ballot was scanned twice. He pulled up two different batches, two different uh, ballot numbers in the machine, and he showed a PDF of them. 
and it was the exact same ballot. He was talking about the way the circle was filled in, uh, all the handwriting on it. I mean, it was exactly, it was undeniable that that was the same ballot that was scanned in the tabulation machine twice. That was scanned twice. And he, as he mentioned, um, this was, he got a small sample of even Fulton County. Uh, what, what he was saying there is, is we don't know how widespread this is because we don't have information uh, to look at yet. We don't have all of the data, which a full statewide audit would have to be authorized by the state legislative branch and, and possibly even signed off by the governor there. Moving on from this um, from this press release put out by Voter GA, which is a representative we just listened to there, and that, I didn't even talk about this last week. You know, last week I did talk about that the uh, error reporting rate in Fulton County from this hand count audit was a whopping 60%, 60% error rate. But the, the press release goes on to say that one type of error, and I'm reading directly from the press release here, one type of error discovered involved duplicate results reporting for batches, which is what we just heard. The team found at least 36 batches of mail-in ballots with 4,255 total extra votes that were redundantly added to Fulton, Fulton County's November audit results. This includes, the breakdown here is, this includes 3,390 extra votes for Joe Biden 865 extra votes for Donald Trump and 43 extra votes for the third party candidate. And so, once again, this is a small subset of the data that has been reviewed. And there were 4,255 extra votes, meaning there were multiple batches and and for those who don't know a batch in this term is a stack of of basically ballots a stack of ballots that you put in the tabulation machine and what this this uh review is is showing is that multiple batches were scanned multiple times meaning for example joe smith's vote well instead of joe smith's vote just counting one time it probably counted six times, <laughs> depending on how many times they put his ballot through the machine. I agree with the secretary, I'm sorry, the House Speaker over there, that a full statewide audit needs to take place in Georgia. We'll be back in a few minutes. She took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Genesis 3 records for us the cataclysmic rebellion against God in the Garden of Eden. The entire episode, Eve's entertainment of the sensual lies of the talking snake, the deceptive twisting of God's word, all of it transpired with Adam standing right there. Adam was the one to whom God entrusted his word originally. Adam was the one God charged with cultivating and protecting the garden and his wife. Yet he stood there, silent. Men, let us not repeat Adam's sin of present absence. Stand on God's word and defend your gardens. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. 
This is Dr. Richard Land, President Emeritus of Southern Evangelical Seminary and the host of Bringing Every Thought Captive. Last week, I shared with you how the glorious Bill of Rights came to be added to the federal constitution. James Madison, the father of the constitution, fulfilled his pledge to bring forward a Bill of Rights in the first Congress under that constitution. Madison fulfilled that promise on June 8, 1789, 230 years ago. Madison told fellow congressmen that amending the Constitution to provide for the protection of these rights would, quote, help to satisfy the public mind that their liberties would be perpetual, end quote. And he called them these great rights of mankind. Madison proposed the following freedoms that later became the First Amendment, quote, the civil rights of none shall be abridged on account of religious belief or worship, nor shall any national religion be established nor shall the full and equal rights of conscience be in any manner or in any pretext infringed. The people shall not be deprived or abridged of their right to speak, to write, or to publish their sentiments, and the freedom of the press as one of the great bulwarks of liberty shall be inviolable. The people shall not be restrained from peaceably assembling and consulting for their common good, nor for applying to the legislature by petitions or remonstratives for redress of their grievances. Notice, please, that freedom of speech, freedom of the press, freedom of assembly, freedom to petition for redress of grievances are there as subsidiary rights to protect the first freedom, freedom to believe and worship as each person so believes, soul freedom. It is often lost on modern commentators that this is the case. The first freedom is the freedom of conscience, the freedom of faith, freedom to worship as each individual pleases. That is why this was such a great day for mankind. It is the celebration of each man and woman being able to worship according to the dictates of his or her own conscience, being recognized as a right by the government of the United States. This is Richard Land. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome back to the show. You can uh, check out the live stream. We're on Facebook. Just go to the American Family Radio Facebook page. We're live streaming the show there. Go to uh, Facebook. Just type in American Family Radio. You can find the live stream there. We're also on YouTube. Just go to the uh, AFR YouTube channel, and you can watch the show there. And, of course, you can follow me personally. You can follow me on Twitter, Parler. And I even joined, I don't even know how to pronounce this. I'm going to give it a shot, Bobby. Gitter. G-E-T-T-R. Am I saying that right? Must be like Gitter Dunn. Yeah. If you're from the South, that's got to (laughs) be. You know, in parlor, I call it parlor, but some people call it parlay. Yeah. In French, it's parlay, which is to speak. Yeah, that shows shows how much how much people in the South know <laughs> calling it parlor. <laughs> well, they probably do in New Orleans. <laughs> yeah, probably so. Uh, anyway, I am on those platforms. Once again, Twitter, I'm on parlay or parlor, depending on how you want to say it. And I'm also on G-E-T-T-R. I'll do some study after the show to find out how to pronounce that so I don't embarrass myself. But I joined that the other day. I don't even think I posted to it yet. But that's one of the uh, the platforms put up or uh, started by uh, Jason Miller, one of the President Trump's advisors in the White House. And it's pretty seems pretty slick, pretty nice. And anytime I can can uh, can <clears throat> shine some light and give some attention to some of these other outlets uh, that are countering Twitter and Facebook and their censorship, that's always a good thing to do. Back to this Georgia story. You know, I, I don't know 
if we've ever been uh, at this place, that this juncture in the country, in our country, at least in modern history, where where we're really not sure about the results of the election. And I'm not I'm not saying that, you know, definitively that that, that Donald Trump won. I just don't know yet. I'm not really convinced uh, that that it's a, it's a settled matter, and we shouldn't even question the results. I'm not there because the data, the information that that we see that's clear, um, it really brings doubts to my mind about uh, the the um, how how up to par the election was, and I don't know what we do as a country. I mean, this is we, we've already legally. President Biden is the commander in chief. You know that the state, all the state legislatures signed off on their on their votes, and the electors met in Washington D.C. or they sent their their votes rather to Washington D.C. to Congress. Congress deliberated, not much. It was interrupted, if you don't remember, on January sixth. But Congress ended up uh, basically approving of of the electors, and so legally speaking. Joe Biden is our president, and when we don't, I don't think it's healthy to try to deny that. But when you look at the how the election went down, I mean, it, it is some shady business going on in these different precincts in these different counties. So, you know, people say, "Well, what do we do now?" If if for some reason it turns out that that the votes that were certified aren't legitimate, and even it's an if it's enough to potentially change or would have changed the outcome of the election. What do you do as a country? I mean, this is this is uncharted territory. I'm sure that there's been shady elections in the past. Um, this is not new to 2020 to 2021, but it, it really puts our country in an odd position. And those those that people that are skeptical out there, they have reason to be skeptical. I mean, this is not conspiracy theory land. This is, hey, th- things were not done proper during the 2020 election. That's that's a valid concern. I mean, the the sanctity of our election box or of our votes is a very serious matter. If we can't have elections and go home at night and trust the results are accurate, they're true, they're valid, I mean that that fundamentally under undermines our entire institution, our entire country. You know, we can argue about well, you know, Congress, uh, it, we got issues in Congress and people don't do what they said they were going to do. They don't keep their campaign promises. Our, you know, our federal agencies have gone rogue. They don't listen to the to the voters anymore. Or we even have, you know, federal agencies that really shouldn't even be there, according to the Constitution. You can debate all that, but if, if we don't have fair elections, boy, are we in trouble. If we don't have fair, fair elections, boy, are we in trouble. And we really need to turn this thing around. And I mean that genuinely. And we don't need to become cynical. It's so easy to become cynical and throw your hands up and say it doesn't matter anymore. Um, our country's gone, but folks, that's not that's not healthy. That's not a good mentality. God has called Christians, wherever they're located, whether they're in America or another country, God has called believers to be faithful to His Word, to 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 share the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is a hopeful, a redemptive, a message in the gospel. And, and Christians are called to be faithful and to and to do their best wherever they're placed. And he's also, Scripture is clear on fulfilling our civic duty. And so um, we need to to focus on that and not uh, be passive and cynical, even though our country is in a very, very bad spot. And I will not hesitate to recognize that. 
Back to what's going on in Georgia, this is a statement from the Georgia House Speaker calling for a independent investigation of Fulton County. <clears throat> I would recommend you do an independent investigation of the entire state, <laughs> but that's my opinion. Reading from this uh, news story that was published just this morning, here's a quote from <clears throat> da- David Ralston, who's the Speaker of the House in the state of Georgia the state legislature there. Here's what he put out. Quote, recently media reports have surfaced which call into question the way in which Fulton County conducted, counted, and audited the November 2020 presidential election. Given the seriousness of this situation and the possible repercussions for our state and nation, it is time we have an independent investigation once and for all of the way in which Fulton County conducted, counted, and audited the November 2020 presidential election. So there you have it, the Georgia House Speaker calling for an independent investigation of Fulton County. And we'll talk, we're not going to leave this uh, in the wayside. We're going to talk about this more. We're going to possibly have on some guests that are experts in this field of election and election integrity. And, you know, states are responding States are responding, which is a good thing. Georgia passed a bill a few months ago. Uh, Texas is working on a bill now. Multiple states have passed bills and laws that are that are intended to to minimize the chances of people cheating and of shenanigans taking place. But as I mentioned last segment, we've got to be able to enforce those laws in an expedited fashion to ensure that elections uh, that elections take place with integrity. Moving on to a clip I want to play here. This is uh, Bruce Jenner. People want to call him Caitlyn Jenner, but his birth name and the name he went by for decades, what he was known for in the Olympics is Bruce Jenner. And so that's what I'm going to call him. Uh, Bruce Jenner is running for the governor's seat in California. And he's been making his rounds on Fox News and other uh, outlets talking about his run for governor there. But, you know, there was something he said on with Judge Janine Pirro on Fox News uh, that was really concerning to me when it comes to the state of the Republican Party and the future direction of the Republican Party. So let's listen to clip two. This is Bruce Jenner. Should Donald Trump run in 2024? That's his decision. Would you support him if he did? If I was governor of the state of California, uh, I I would uh, obviously I would support him. Um, What if you weren't governor? Would you still support him? Yes, I I still would support him. I I do not like what's happening in this country right now. We always try to put everybody in a box. Like you're white, you're black, you're a Republican, you're a Democrat. If you're a Republican, you have to think this way. You must think this and that, Mm -hmm. you know, Republican ideas. And that's not me, okay? Mm -hmm. I'm an inclusive Republican because um, I have conservative economic values. I mean, if you have less tax, less regulation, and, and a pro-business environment, it works. It works every time throughout history. Ronald Reagan, it worked. Right. Donald Trump, for the first three years, rocked it. I mean, was working, even after all he was going through. Yeah, for four it, years, I yes, think. But- it always works. And so, but on the social side, I'm not like a lot of Republicans. I'm, I'm an inclusive Republican. I'm in, in it for the people. Well, that's just part of the interview with uh, Judge Janine on Fox News. What I wanted to pull from that is this is this is a debate going on, and it has been going on within the Republican Party for years now, 
Um, and it's it's basically the direction of the party. If you read the Republican Party platform, the official documents of the party, and you listen to some of their spokespersons, uh, you would think that the Republican Party is headed in the right direction. If you read the party platform, you would, most of you who are, are Christians who believe in Scripture and God's Word, you would actually agree with the vast majority, if not all, of the Republican Party platform. The Republican Party platform's view of the uh, of, of social issues or moral issues, which are m- most of the issues that Scripture talks about, uh, the, the party platform of the Republican Party is pretty on point. People we know uh, that we trust in the evangelical movement helped write that party platform. But the issue we have here, the issue that the Republican Party has, is that there are people in the party that fundamentally don't believe the party platform. They don't believe the party platform. Matter As a matter of fact, they want to take the party in a different direction. And we saw the, the autopsy report done after Mitt Romney lost to Barack Obama. In 2012, we saw the uh, autopsy report that basically st- said that the Republican Party needs to become the big tent party. We need to bring in more more voters by by really not talking about certain social issues. And here's my warning, and I gave it last week. Uh, that is a that is a dangerous path to go down. The path that Bruce Jenner is talking about, and it sounds so good. The inclusive Republican Party. I'm an inclusive Republican. Well, in order to be this, this is code speak. This is code speak, and the left does it all the time. They use these words that, oh, they sound so good. They sound so good. Inclusivity, anti-racism, anti-bigotry. We're, we're, we're for welcoming everyone. But the, the fundamental issue here is that what many in our, in our society and our culture want to do, want to do is, and they're doing it now, If you have a biblical view of the world, if you have a biblical view of the issues of our day, and you look at things through the lens of Scripture, well, guess what? That is labeled as non-inclusive. That is labeled as bigotry. That is labeled as hate speech. And for years, we've seen the left do this and the Democrats. We've seen the Southern Poverty Law Center basically pay their bills by calling people haters who are not haters. And so what's what's uh, frustrating is that you have Bruce Jenner and others in the Republican Party who are wanting to hijack the party and take it down a path that makes it look more like the Democrat Party, that makes it look more like the Democrat Party. And when they do that, they're going to frustrate and lose many evangelical voters if they haven't already, if they haven't already. And the Republican Party has some major issues, and I would just encourage you on a personal note uh, to not give money to these national parties. I don't care whether it's the Democrat Party or the Republican Party or the Independent Party. Um, uh, For those who who support campaigns and and, and give donations to candidates, I just would not send money to these national parties. They are not looking out for your best interest and your values. Send your checks if you give to candidates just give it directly to the candidate's campaign. If you have a someone you know and, and they're running for, for mayor or for city council or even for Congress or state office, 
Uh, just give your donations directly to the candidates. That is the, the one of the best ways and the only ways to ensure that your money is not going to these national parties uh, that fundamentally disagree with your value system. So the Republican Party, if they continue down this path of being a, quote, inclusive party, they sure enough will end up regretting that because that means laying aside set moral values that come from Scripture and rather taking up whatever the culture says about a certain issue, which is a dangerous path to go down. Talking about a dangerous path to go down, and we'll play some more clips after the break on this, but many of you saw where the Biden White House, more specifically Jen Psaki, the press secretary, openly admitted last week behind the podium in the press briefing room that the White House was colluding and coordinating and working with Facebook and others to make sure that people spreading, quote, misinformation were taken off their platform. And Jen Psaki even went as far to say that, that, that they actually send over links to people's profiles to Facebook who need to be taken down. Can you imagine... If Donald Trump, if Kaylee McEnany, when she was the press secretary under Donald Trump, can you imagine the outrage from everyone, including conservatives, if she had admitted and said that the Trump White House was sending over left-wing commentators' uh, Facebook and Twitter links to their profiles so that Facebook could collude with the White House to deplatform them? There would be cries from the left. There would be lawsuits. The, the conservatives would be criticizing the Trump White House. I mean, it would be around the clock uh, uh, frustration and, and rebuking of the Trump White House had they done that, but they didn't, of course. But Jen Psaki, and we'll play this after the break, nonchalantly <laughs> admits that the Biden White House is colluding with big tech and these platforms to cut people off. This is, I'm not one of hyperbole and alarmism, but folks, this is, I think it's fair to say, this is one of the most alarming things I have seen out of the Biden administration to date. Deplatforming American citizens because you simply don't agree with them saying that they have no place in American society or the public square because you disagree with them. That is absolutely dangerous. We'll be back in a few. In his image, delighting in God's plan for gender and sexuality. I loved it. I loved how biblically sound it was, all the scripture to back it up. The testimonies were very powerful. If it's a prodigal child that has just run away or one that's caught up in same-sex attraction, there's hope in Jesus. In His Image is now available on DVD and can be purchased in bulk to pass out to friends and family. Order today by visiting afastore.net. Friendships is looking for full-time volunteer men and women who are serious about serving God, investing time in rewarding work, and helping people in need around the world. There is no charge to serve. Room and board are provided. A willing heart and a desire to work as part of a team are the primary skills required. 
Check out the opportunities at friendships.org or email portmercy at friendships.org. That's portmercy at friendships.org. Hi, I'm Will. And I'm Miki. And we've been married 16 years. You know, one of the things that Miki asked me before we got married, she's like, why do you want to marry me? What is it about, about me? Really, the Lord had put on my heart that God was putting us together for destiny and for purpose and that he had a ministry that he desired to do through us that, you know, we were both ministering on our own, but together that God was going to, you know, use us to minister. There is no one who is closer to you than your spouse, and there is no one who knows you better. And this is by God's design. Marriage is the first institution that God has given us to to shape us and to mold us and to show us ourselves. It's a beautiful picture. Tune in to By Design as we explore God's true purpose and design for marriage. Just visit the podcast page at AFR.net. The Apostles on Genesis. This is Ken Ham, author, speaker, and blogger on why we can trust the Bible. What did the early church believe about creation? Well, let's start at the beginning with the apostles. Paul describes Adam as the first man who brought death into the creation. He connects Adam and his sin directly to Christ and his death. He ties the gospel into that history. Paul also mentions Eve and treats her and her deception by Satan as history. He also grounds his teaching on marriage and family in the reality of how God created Adam and Eve. And Peter writes about creation and the flood as real events. He says that in the last days, people will scoff at this. According to the earliest Christians, Genesis is history. Subscribe to receive free daily email insights from Ken Ham when you visit us at AnswersRadio.com and listen to this program again or view a transcript at AnswersRadio.com. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome back to AFA at the Core. Glad to have you with us. I'm your host, Walker Wildman. We're here each weekday, Monday through Friday, live on the American Family Radio Network. For those of you watching Facebook Live, you see I'm replenishing my tumbler with a bottle of water. And this is an AFR tumbler. We offer tons of resources at our resource center. And this is just one of them. Uh, this is one of the uh, items that we offer. It's an AFR tumbler here uh, that I'm that I'm using in studio. We offer DVDs, books that help you address the issues of the day through a biblical lens. But this is just a little something you can use each day if you're drinking your coffee or your soda, uh, whatever you want to do. This is your American Family Radio tumbler. We'll have on with us a Joy Lucius on Wednesday of this week. We'll have on Joy Lucius to talk about her latest book. She's one of our AFA staff writers. She works in our AFA journal department, and she'll be on to talk about her latest book having to do with the Holocaust. So it's going to be a very good interview, and uh, we'll talk about her book. And then, of course, you can always find more information about our resources by going to resources.afa.net to find out uh, if, if there's anything there that can serve you and your family. Uh, jumping back to this story about the White House publicly admitting that they're uh, banning people and working to ban people from Facebook and other platforms, uh, this is Jen Psaki talking about basically how 
If you get banned from one platform, well, you should be banned from all the platforms. Let's listen to clip three. Providing uh, for, for Facebook or other platforms to measure and publicly share the impact of misinformation on their platform uh, and the audience it's reaching. Uh, also with the public, with all of you, um, to create robust enforcement strategies that bridge their properties and provide transparency about rules. You shouldn't be banned from one platform and not others uh, if you are for uh, uh, providing misinformation out there. Well, uh, there you have it. That's Jen Psaki saying that this is after the fact that she's already admitted that 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 the White House is sending over names of people who should be deplatformed to these private companies. Then she goes on to say, uh, not only should they be banned from one platform for misinformation, but they should be banned from every platform. That's what she's saying there. And this comes along the same week that President Joe Biden, on his way to the Marine One helicopter, was questioned about his interactions with Facebook and his dealings with Facebook as it relates to, quote, misinformation. And he said this about Facebook. Quote, they're killing people. <laughs> the only pandemic we have is among the unvaccinated. And they're killing people, he said, talking about Facebook or when questioned about Facebook. And the dangerous path here is, number one, Misinformation is code speak for we don't agree with you and we're going to cancel you. Because if you look at the merits of the, quote, misinformation, in many instances, it's not misinformation. What people are posting, and some of them I follow, uh, what, what many of these people are posting is they're questioning the mainstream narrative. They're questioning the mainstream narrative and they have data and statistics to back them up. For example, people questioning whether teenagers and, and young children should be vaccinated. That is a viable argument in our country that should be able to be had and take place. But the White House is calling that misinformation, right? It's misinformation to, quest, to question the CDC and the experts. There's been a... a Studies about whether masks work to prevent the spread of upper respiratory viruses. And anyone who questions that or brings a, an opposing viewpoint, well, that's misinformation. But that really is beside the point. The main point here is that our government should not be colluding with private corporations to cancel and to deplatform American citizens. Period. It doesn't matter whether what people are posting is bad information or not. It's not the government's job to deplatform American citizens in the name of stopping, quote, misinformation. There used to be a time and an age in our country where people of all backgrounds, of all beliefs, could openly share information and then let people make up their minds as to what they want to believe. But now uh, the Democrats in our government feel that it's their moral obligation to deplatform American citizens that they disagree with. And in the vast majority of cases, uh, what they are labeling as misinformation is not misinformation at all. Uh, the, the, the mainstream narrative by the, quote, experts is just being brought into question. And that's not allowed if you're a Democrat. Another thing I'll say to this, and then we'll move on, 
I am skeptical of the efforts by the Biden administration and by uh, Elizabeth Warren, the senator from Maine, and others when they talk about how they're going to crack down on big tech, how they're going to they're going to they're going to crack down on these antitrust issues with these big conglomerates that are these big companies like Google and others that are just buying up all kinds of subsidiaries and companies. Um, I'm skeptical of that effort, and here's why. Could it be, and I'm, I'm uh, bringing this up for thought, could it be that the Biden administration and others, mostly the Democrats, could it be that they are threatening these corporations, the Facebooks and the Twitters and the Googles, could it be that they are threatening them in order to force them to deplatform people they disagree with, or else we're going to bring the full weight of the federal government and the DOJ and Congress against you because of your antitrust violations and what other issues they have with them. Because why would why would the Democrats want to go after those that they're in bed with? Why would the Democrats want to punish the same platforms that are colluding with the Democrat Party. I mean, it is Jeff Zuckerberg. It is Jeff Bezos. It is all of these major corporations and their CEOs that are that are hand-in-hand hand with the Democrat Party. I mean, think about all the millions that Jeff Zuckerberg spent in the last election to basically run local elections and to do get-out-the-vote efforts for the Democrats. Why would then the Democrats who have been colluding with these private corporations, why would the Democrats all of a sudden turn on these same corporations? So I'm just bringing up uh, the possibility that maybe uh, the Democrats are using these uh, these efforts and these uh, agencies. Yeah, Mark Zuckerberg is who I was mentioning there, uh, there the, the CEO and founder of Facebook. And he used these, uh, what, Ron DeSantis, I think Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida, coined this phrase, but he called it the Zuckerbucks. Uh, the Zuckerbucks, the money that is spent to influence local campaigns. But could it be that the that the Democrats are basically threatening big tech to to fully participate in the Democrats' efforts to clamp down on conservatives and people who don't agree with them, or else they're going to face the full wrath of the Democrat Party and the federal agencies that are headed up by Joe Biden could be the case. Uh, maybe more information will come out in the coming months that will uh, prove my theory there. Another story I wanted to mention, this is a good news story, but also pretty indicative of, of how these different states are run across the country. This uh, this story is out of the Business Insider, uh, businessinsider.com, and they're not a, they're not a conservative outfit. They uh, publish articles related to the economy and business matters. And here's the headline. Here's the headline. Some Republican states that cut federal unemployment benefits early are recovering more quickly when it comes from an economic standpoint. And this article goes on to talk about how uh, many of these uh, Republican states that cut the federal unemployment benefits early, and the background are there. Most of you know this. Most of you are well-informed, but those of you who don't know, uh, the federal government has been giving a tremendous amount 
more of federal aid to people who are unemployed than they did before the pandemic. I mean, some people have talked about how they were getting, you know, $800 a week. But when you when you add in state unemployment plus the federal unemployment, some of these people uh, uh, that were unemployed were making more money not working than they were when they were working. That's a fair and accurate statement. And many Republican governors caught onto this and, and began to grow frustrated with it because businesses couldn't find workers because they were all on the federal unemployment and they didn't really have a need to go back to work because they were making so much money at home, not working. And so these Republican states, some of them, many of them, 20-plus of them, cut the federal unemployment benefit in their state. And as a result, people are going back to work. They're going back to work, and that is a good thing. So this Business Insider article admits what we all knew would happen, and that is if Republican states cut the federal unemployment, people would go back to work and it would be good for people and good for the economy. You know, work is ordained by God. The work of our hands is ordained by God. Adam and Eve were sanctioned to work the garden in Genesis. And so work is a good and noble thing. You know, oftentimes, you know, we get, uh, even as Christians, we can get weary with work. We can get frustrated with, with what we do uh, to earn a, a financial living. We can uh, not like our work situation, but, you know, God really ordained work, the work of our hands. And so work is a good thing. You know, I've heard people say that when people don't work for whatever reason, they really lose a part of their a part of themselves, a part of their, their human nature. And that is to work with your hands, to be productive, to do things for others and to be able to see the fruit of your work. And so getting getting Americans back to work is is a good thing for our country. It's a good thing for our country. And thankfully, our country is set up in a way where people can work, people can advance, and people can provide their children a better future than even they had for themselves. So uh, Republican states are leading the way in the economic recovery by getting people back to work. This uh, Another good news news item, this is out of the Christian Post, the University of Iowa, here's the here's the headline, and then I'll give you a little context. The University of Iowa wrongly discriminated against a Christian student group, and appeals court ruled. What happened here is there was this group at the University of Iowa called the InterVarsity Christian Fellowship, and they were engaging in a Bible study and, and other activities. Well, the University of Iowa basically disbanded them as a student group because they had biblical standards for who could be a part of the group and who could lead the group. And the people, what, what, what the University of Iowa was doing here is they didn't like that this student group had biblical standards for who could be in leadership within the group. And so the University of Iowa discriminated against this Christian student group and disbanded them well, this InterVarsity Christian Fellowship took the University of Iowa to court with the help of the Beckett Law Firm, kudos to the Beckett Law Firm, and this student group actually won. And the appeals court affirmed that their constitutional rights had been violated. Here's what the judge said. This is a three-judge panel of the U.S. Court of Appeals in the Eighth Circuit. This unanimous ruling, 3-0, to zero, 
One of the judges by the last name of Cobes, K-O-B-E-S, circuit judge, he said this. This is part of his, his argument. Of course, the university has a compelling interest in preventing discrimination, but it served that compelling interest by picking and choosing what kind of discrimination was okay. It served that compelling interest by picking and choosing what kind of discrimination was okay. So basically, the university was picking winners and losers when it comes to who can have a student group, and this appeals court ruled that the University of Iowa violated the rights of this student group. Daniel Bloomberg, or Blomberg, B-L-O-M-B-E-R-G, senior counsel for the Beckett Law Firm, who argued in front of the court on behalf of this student group, He's quoted by saying, quote, schools are supposed to be a place of free inquiry and open thought, but the school officials here punished opinions they didn't like and promoted ones they did, all while using taxpayer dollars to do that. So kudos to Beckett Fund or the Beckett Fund and this uh, Christian student group for fighting for their rights, their constitutional rights, and winning at the court level. And this is why it's so important. Uh, that we have Christian law firms across the country, many of them working pro bono to defend our constitutional rights. One of the core values of American Family Association is religious freedom. And we need attorney attorneys in this country, law firms in this country, that will defend our religious freedom as Christians. And that's what the Beckett Law Firm and many others are doing. So kudos to them for their great work. We have to fight in court for the rights of Christians to be able to hold deeply to their sincerely held religious beliefs. That is fundamental to the America we know and the America that our founding fathers set up over 200 years ago. So good news item out of University of Iowa. Christians can have Christian beliefs when it comes to who they pick to be their leaders. AFA at the core. We'll see you tomorrow. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.